the house. Let me hear your bark. Let me see you bite. Let me see your scar. You know what we about. Come see us in the yard. Hello and welcome to All We Hear is Purple, we're the third or fourth most mediocre Husky football podcast on the internet. I'm Andrew Berg. We're doing a fun-sized podcast today to talk about bowl things, personnel things, transfer things, recruiting things. And here to talk about it is Gaby Lucas. Gaby, how are you doing today? I, I'm doing good. I mean, two reasons. One, just finished my Wordle about five seconds before you introduced me because I am at my core in every man. Um, and because uh, different sports, but Shane Wright scored his first NHL goal today against the team that passed him up and then whose fans spent the whole last five months creating weird character attacks on him. So that's fun. Not Very Husky cool. related yeah. particularly. It's been incredibly fun to watch the the Kraken turn around so completely and quickly. I haven't been able to watch a lot of the games, but just like seeing highlights and seeing how how drastically they've turned around but drastic turnarounds uh appropriate of this conversation the huskies as well uh have turned around very drastically from a four and eight season to the alamo bowl it was obviously almost a rose bowl bid but the pac-12 title game went very differently than what i think a lot of us expected utah stomped usc in the pac-12 title game was there? Were you surprised at all by how that game went, or, or you know, maybe less so about the outcome uh, than the, how we got there with the the huge margin of victory for Utah? Um, I think I um I I mean, like we said, like I said in the last episode, I was thinking it was probably like a six. Was it, did I say I think I said sixty five thirty five or whatever USC was my thinking. Um, although seeing how it did go down i'm like yeah i guess if the 35 if you know my idea of it being like 35 chance for utah like if it was going to be that result like the way it did happen isn't super like i i get, I get how it works which is obviously easy to say once you have literally seen it go down but just as far as usc's you know usc's defense being so bad um and like we saw them be held to 17 points i think it was 17 right against oregon state so like you know utah's obviously uh uh, stronger i feel like utah's kind of like if oregon state was like leveled up and had a good quarterback (laughs) so so you know now now that we saw it happen i'm like yeah that makes sense i and for what it's worth um obviously my initial reaction i don't know if you were going to ask me this and i'm just answering it prematurely but uh was obviously my initial reaction was like, um, dang it, we don't get to go to the Rose Bowl. Up yours, USC, for being so useless. But then, it, but then my my real like my heart reaction is like, no, really, up yours, USC. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you. This is hilarious. You guys don't deserve to win. Go enjoy winning eight wins a year for, but 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 you get to have a crap load of cash to do it. So so it's kind of sad. Like the the. Part, my heart finds it satisfying when you take the UW part of the equation out of it. It is kind of funny that part of the auspiciously part of the reason for going to the Big Ten would be an easier path to the playoffs. And then since then, they had essentially a playoff season where they just had to win a game where 
they were favored to secure a, a spot in the playoff. And then the 12 team playoff becomes effective where winning the conference gets you in automatically. So it like the, the big barriers to getting in from the PAC 12 are, are completely removed. So they're going to probably a tougher path yeah. to get there. Although you could argue about, you know, strength of schedule and does like a, a 10 to nine and three season in the big 10, get you a 11 seed and the right to be smashed by, uh, you know, two loss Alabama, whatever yeah. well, my- uh, it went very oh, much sorry. the other direction. Yeah. My, my thinking is less, it's kind of along those lines, but more it's more that like if you look at who USC has to go. Well, first off, the reason why they're going to the Big Ten is for the money, and the reason you need the money is so that you can get better investment and get better, uh, you know, coaching staff and and staff breadth for recruiting and for quality control. But essentially, it's for talent accumulation, uh, via recruiting. But like, so that you can win. But if you you are not inherently the top dog in the big 10 like you they are going to have to go through ohio state and michigan and like penn state and stuff so like to give up what a and automatic would be an automatic qualifier in the new 12 12 team system um and have to have a lot more like boss level teams to go through it like i think the middle of the big 10 and the middle of the pac 12 are roughly equivalent but like you i mean right right now like the top of the often like the top of the big 10 involves <laughs> like if if usc played michigan and ohio state every year right yeah um they're like they wouldn't be i don't think they i mean they wouldn't beat either of them this year obviously so like they're gonna have a lot more eight and nine win seasons in the in the future if they stick that road out uh where they normally wouldn't <laughs> you know yeah, so that'll be that really just- Team that just won the big the Pac-12, Utah is probably roughly as good as Penn State this year. Yeah, who probably. is a distant third in uh, the Big Ten. And, yeah, and uh, U- uh, UCL or USC lost to them twice. Yeah, uh, and <laughs> you have to play the uh, UC- other yeah. teams. But yeah, that's pretty far uh, off topic for us. But it's an interesting thing to talk about and vent about. But the the result of it was the Alamo. Uh, bowl bid for UW. Uh, it's a really fun storyline. Uh, setting aside the X's and O's of the game, uh, UW goes to uh, to San Antonio, which is a, a fun place to play. It's it's a cool bowl destination to play a very headline, glitzy, shiny light brand name team in Texas. You know, among the glitziest, brightest, shining light team names. Uh, plus, you've got the coaching storyline, not just Steve Sarkeesian, but Pete Kwiatkowski, Jeff Choate on the defensive staff as well. How much do you read into the narrative part of it? I mean, I, I'm kind of presuming that this coaching staff and these players don't care a lot about it because they're, uh, you know, a few years removed from it or have no connection to these guys at all. But for fans, it's it's kind of fun, right? Yeah, I think so. I think, but it's it's definitely, I think we're far removed and far enough removed where it's not like, you know, that 2015 win over USC, like that felt like there really was something there. That felt like the, if you will, Shane Wright first goal over Montreal <laughs> um, versus this. I feel like it's more of like a fun reunion, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I, I feel like there's not thing. like super hard feelings towards Sark right now. Like no. I think, I mean, I'm sure there are people who feel differently about this. Um, You know, on the one hand, like the administrators probably feel a little bit burned by him. Um, The, you know, waiters at, um, Daniel's broiler. What was it? Where was it? Joey's. Um, I thought it was the Ram. Was, 
or Maybe Earl's. it's the Ram. Earl. One of them. Oh, was it Earl's? Uh, I, I thought it was somewhere like no, it's fake, Earl's... classy, expensive. Wait, or Joey's. I get Joey's and Earl's confused. I think Joey's. I think it was Joey's. Earl's the South Lake one. is the British Columbia version of Joey's, even though we have, oh, okay. we have what? Do we have two here? I don't There's an Earl's know. on the Ave, and it's uh, like a, a very roofied environment. Yeah, I'm um, thinking of Joey's, I think. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, Earl's in Vancouver. If you're in Vancouver, Earl's and Cactus Club Cafe, that's like their version of Joey's. So, okay, I get, yeah, I think I that's where Sark was spending like $3,500 a week or whatever. Uh, but it, it, you know, I, I he's he's addressed that, he's like gone through the work, it seems like, of, yeah. of improving himself. I don't want to like dump on him for the problems that he's had in the past, and it's yeah. kind of cool that he did that. And he really drastically improved the team, like, it, it's very hard to go from terrible to good and he did it and you know it's probably harder to go from good to great and he didn't do that but i, I that doesn't mean that he what he did was worthless so so i i appreciate that and it seems like he's kind of got texas going in a similar direction but with a higher floor of talent yeah um, they, they're they're definitely an analytical darling you know like the sp plus i think has them seventh in the country even though they're a four loss team but those four losses are you know no bad losses it's Alabama and Kansas State and some of these top these very tough teams at a very good Big 12. Um Bijan Robinson is the star of the team. Uh, we've definitely seen what a superstar running back can do to our defense. It, it, he may not play in this game. We don't know. That's going to have a big impact. But what what are you watching for when you saw this um this bowl matchup come out? What were the things that jumped out at you in terms of the personnel and the matchups? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to be real. I haven't watched like like my watching of texas from a more academic standpoint uh looking at looking ahead to bull stuff for for me for me i haven't do, uh, dip, dived dove divin i think is the word <laughs> dovin uh i haven't uh dove that uh deep. dive dove dove <laughs> div dav okay i'm gonna shut up um it's a great but, embroidery for your wall yeah um but yeah i think i i mean just in general um like what i did see when i was kind of just flipping through stuff um you know when i mean i like what you what how you describe them as far as like being a being kind of a, a sark team with a with a higher baseline yeah. i feel like is is is, pre, is definitely a fair assessment for where they are at this at least at this point in in that tenure and i for what i mean for what it's worth though i mean also like seeing what the little bit that i did see of quinn ewers and my assessment might change you know in a week or two when i actually do more work so if anyone if, if any i say anything that isn't 100 spot on and and you want to be uh mad at me um <laughs> i don't take any responsibility for anything that comes out of my, my mouth my mouth <laughs> um which is a great way to live your life but yeah i i feel like he definitely did have moments where you're like, oh, a freshman. Um, and if our defense was significantly better, not even significantly, slightly better, then I would feel really good about like, haha, you know, the uh, Mr. Burns excellent rubbing your hands together. As as it as it is, you know, I don't know if Washington's defense is in a position to do much about that, but if they are. You know, I mean, if you're gonna pick one one unit to have a a strong strong part strong point on a defense against this team, like having our pass rush, I think is um, the one thing that makes me think. You know, maybe 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 they can make him make some silly things happen. 
Yeah, that's a good point. He he has been a little bit more mistake prone. It's interesting because uh, when Ewers was out for a while and Hudson Card, the incumbent quarterback, played, Card's numbers were quite a bit better. Like his completion mm-hmm. percentage was like more than ten percent better. Better yards per attempt, fewer interceptions. It's just a, a more efficient quarterback. I think there's definitely, you know, Ewers has the higher ceiling. He's young. Uh, mm-hmm. He has a chance to develop into more of a superstar type player. And I don't know if there were like promises about playing time made to him when he transferred to Texas uh, from yeah. Ohio State. And and maybe that has something to do with it. But it's not like he's been bad. But like you said, there's been some freshman um, mistakes along the way. Uh, and it, just watching them play, I, like you said, I haven't been watching them really academically either, but just for the entertainment value. Um, and I think I said earlier that it was uh, they lost to K-State. They lost to TCU. It's getting my uh, purple Big 12 teams confused. And that was the <laughs> game where their offense was really stalled out. And uh, it, it's like it, it kind of seems to me that yours has more like boomer bust potential. Like he's he seems to be better at getting their star receiver Xavier Worthy involved. Um, creating more explosive plays, but Card is better at kind of like marching the team down the field. I don't know if the numbers bear that out, but that's been my visual impression. <laughs> Defensively, they've they've had some games that are uh, less ideal. They have 37 points to Texas Tech and uh, uh, probably their worst loss of the season. They've had a few other games that are just like, you did, you know, you should probably be able to hold that team to fewer points than you did. But statistically their defense is fine it's i think it ranks kind of middle of the pack in the country by epa uh i think it's uh 56th overall in in epa added uh expected points added rather so it's a little bit behind their offense but uh depending on which metric you look at some of them have them really good on offense really bad on defense some of them have them pretty good on offense pretty bad on defense either way the offense is ahead of the defense and uh it's it's kind of going to be what we've been doing all year it's like we're going to play our game. We're going to throw the ball and dare the other team to stop us. And if we can score 35 or 40 points, we got a really good chance to win. Um, because yeah, I agree. Um, I think, and I also think one, and in- one other interesting thing about yours is like exactly what you said, it, you know, but if you look at just his statistical profile, you'd think like, Oh, this is kind of like a game manager kind of dude, whatever, you know, uh, with like 1800 yards 14 touchdowns to six interceptions it's like okay that I mean that interception ratio is pretty high but you probably chalk that up to being a freshman but when you just look at that like that that profile otherwise it looks really underwhelming kind of and then so you so then you kind of assume it's a it's a he's like a kind of Jake Browningy protect the football sort of dude if you just looked at that and then to actually know that as far as a player profile, that's not really accurate. And he is kind of that boomer bust guy that you discussed. I think it's just an interesting, I mean, I think that's a, 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 a symptom of him, him being a freshman, probably more, more or less, but I do think that's an interesting side by side. And yeah, I think, I think that's a fair, I, I think you're probably right that it'll, it'll just be, lowercase s shootout granted that tends to that's that's not a um very brave thing to say given what we've seen from UW all year but uh yeah it doesn't have to be brave it just has to be right yeah right it's more fun that way we're gonna take a break and we're gonna come back talking about the 
root cause behind that, uh, some of that bravery and uh, having another year of it. So stick around. Welcome back. The other big news of the week was the team banquet that concluded with a very poetic video of Michael Penix surprising the team, surprising the fans, announcing that he's coming back for another year at UW. My reaction to this was, regardless of what the cause of it was, this is a guy who's been through a lot in his career. I think he's had four different season-ending injuries to four different body parts before he got to UW. He clearly had a good year here. It's been great for his uh, career, his mental health, his accomplishments, his resume. It, it's just good that he gets to have another year of doing the thing that is working well for him, being with coaches and, and teammates and in a place that's benefiting him. If you know whatever money boosters are able to pay him through NIL is contributing to that, I mean, I think that means that NIL is working. It means that like you don't you're not forced to walk away from something you like doing um, in order to secure the bag as quickly as possible. Uh, what, what was your initial reaction, Gabby, when you uh, heard about Penix returning? I think it was a pretty big surprise for all of us. <laughs> I think it, it. I mean, yeah, it was definitely a surprise. But I mean, we had heard enough smoke about like you know some people might actually be coming back who we would assume were done deals to be gone so I feel like that I mean I still I I personally emotionally was in a state where I'm like I'm not gonna be I'm not you know I'm not I'm not gonna get my hopes up until it's confirmed but when he announced it it did definitely feel like it, it wasn't complete shock I suppose um, but yeah, I totally also totally agree, agree with you as far as like this being a really good example of what NIL can do that is genuinely 100% good for all parties involved. I mean, when you think about how many people left for the NFL early simply because they like financially had to, I mean, the first yeah. person that comes to mind is like the Wazoo running back James Williams from what uh tw i think he left after the 2019 season or 20 i think that's right yeah 2019 maybe the 2018 season um because he just you know even though he only had like a you know fifth sixth round i think at like at the best draft grade um he he ha he had to leave like financially because he had to get paid and he had to he had to get his family money like they had been homeless at times when he was in high school and and I think also that situations like that where, you know, a guy leaves to be like a late round draft pick or like a high priority UDFA is really so sad how that's happened in the past because not only then, A, you're not getting paid as much as maybe you could in the future, um, but you're also not developing, you know, you aren't having that pure development of like being able to kind of make those mistakes and have that more leeway like in college. So a lot of those guys ends up end up like leaving the NFL pretty quickly. Like he's just a free agent now. And not only that, but who knows, you know, in running backs, usually they're not a case where you can really improve your draft stock if you're not, you know, naturally X type of player. So who knows if like coming back another year would have improved it, but at least and that's another another thing back to Mike, like Penix is, you know, he probably would have been a second, maybe third with his injury history um, round draft pick this year. But this gives you some insurance to fall back on that you can not only stay, help your team get paid to do so, 
but that you can develop yourself and especially in his case, prove that he can stay healthy for two whole seasons in a row and develop yourself and play yourself into not only getting paid now, but getting paid more money than if you had to leave immediately just because you needed something. Um, and so I, I think, you know, I think of how, how many hundreds of, if, you know, I mean, in college football, not more than that, thousands and thousands of people who have left school early because they had to try to get money and not selfishly. It's just, you know, you have to have money to live. Um, and so I think this is the perfect example of, of how that benefits, it benefits football, it benefits college teams because they get to keep a guy instead of having him leave. It benefits the player because they get to prove, they get to improve their stock and they get to continue their development where in a, in an environment where there's, where there's that leeway. Um, and it's just, and it's not to mention it's good for all of us because now we get yeah. another year of a person who <laughs> kicks ass. Yeah. Well, it's it, like, if you're a huge NFL fan and you don't care about college, you want incentives to get more, talent available in the nfl player pool if you're a college football fan this is like a free market solution right it's like mm -hmm. there are people who want clearly now in evidence to pay to have these players playing for their colleges and they should be able to do that like if they, there's a market for it people want to pay them and they want to make the money having these uh, regulations in place that prevent people from spending money and investing money on things they want to invest money in uh is silly it's like it just in the name of amateurism to to no real end like it's not yeah. it's like amateurism because then we have x it's like amateurism because to its own uh for its own yeah. purposes it's silly and and it's i mean hopefully has a downstream effect too it's not just seeing Penix for another year but i, I know we've already speculated about how uh romo dunze and jalen mcmillan are our nfl draft prospects as well and this may open the door both for them to know they have their star quarterback um, supporting them for another year, but also maybe, you know, that, that investment becomes more valuable. Um, you want to have boosters investing more money in star wide receivers when you know you have a Heisman candidate throwing to them. So hopefully that has more of an impact on the rest of the team as well. We keep maybe one or even both of those guys. There's more roster turnover, um, happening as well nationwide i think the current count was we're now at a thousand and another handful of players in the transfer portal or something like that um it's roughly 10 percent of all of the available scholarships in college football across That's all insane. levels are now players in the portal which is fine like it it, yeah. it is a market um marketplace like i was saying i guess if you have a problem with just that number being large okay, um, that's that's your decision. You can be angry about that. I just don't see what, like, the end result of that is. Like, like yeah. what's the problem with that? Like, it, there's well, less I, continuity? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Can, can I say also, I think, I mean, I feel like there's two different, of the people who have an issue with the transfer portal, I feel like there's two, tends to be two different arguments. One of them is like, college football's unrecognizable, and I hate that, <laughs> like, the, the most, the most, you know, baseline, barely thought of it, just all you feel is on discomfort with the fact that college football is changing players have more agency. And so I hate it and blah, blah, blah. And then I feel like there's another side of like kind of this paternalistic attitude of, Oh my gosh, 10% of scholarship uh, players are now in the portal or almost 10%. Uh, a lot of them probably aren't making the best decision 
or whatever. So they, and, and, and you can argue that. And I think I would argue that many people say JT Daniels, who's on his fourth school and five, four and a half years, four, four years since 2019, you know, uh, or 2018, I suppose he came in early, even though he was class 2019 originally. Um, you know, there's people who maybe aren't making the best decision or who have adults who aren't being responsible with the advice they're giving them. But then there's people who take that and then go, well, naturally they, we shouldn't like maybe, maybe stop short of saying we shouldn't allow them to transfer like this, but we'll, we'll take that and point and, and paint the transfer portal as solely this terrible thing. And it's like, well, before then, PM, how many more players than 10% of the scholarships um, in, 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 in FBS, how many more of them were stuck in a bad situation under a coach where they couldn't get out of? Like, <laughs> like no matter what the scenario is, whether players have agency or not, you're going to have people who are either forced into a bad situation that they can't get out of or maybe don't make the best decision. But like <laughs> taking away people's agency because we are welcome to make decisions that maybe we are not we maybe are naive about is insane <laughs> like yes. so 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 there's definitely people people yeah there's definitely you know a lot plenty of people in the transfer portal um i'm like oh man i i think if that guy stuck it out here or whatever you know especially in in quarterback scenarios when you see guys transferring every year every other year uh and kind of stunting their own growth oftentimes um not always you know but um i think yeah it's it's still a good thing <laughs> it's still a good thing for people to be able to make decisions about their own lives and their own future and you know what you'll either learn from them or you well you will learn from them <laughs> like what is life if not a series of making yes. decisions and learning from them so. yeah uh yeah and, and i think the two guys who have entered the portal from uw are evidence of two different types of that uh one is cam williams who played four games this year then took a red shirt recruited by the previous staff uh just didn't really ever establish himself as a starter but he's clearly a talented athletic mm -hmm. guy and if he can go somewhere else and find a better fit for him i'll be very happy for him yeah uh, you know i want him to succeed the other one was quite Pehopa, the defensive lineman who was suspended for most of the year for undisclosed violations of team rules. Don't know what he did, so I don't want to, you know, make any glowing endorsements or or character takedowns of him. Like, no idea. <laughs> no, uh, you have to slander did. him but, right now. Yes. Um, he's either a great redemption story or an irredeemable, irredeemable human being, <laughs> one or the other, and there's no in-between. No but in either between. way, like, he go, gets to go have a fresh start somewhere and hopefully make the most of that. So it's, you know, one of them for athletic reasons, one of them for off the field reasons, they both get to go find something that fits where they are right now better than the school where they committed when they were younger. And when you're 17, 18, 19, like a year or two change, your life changes a lot and your conditions change a lot. So it makes sense that you would maybe want to go try something different. Yeah. Um, I, the other one other thing on the transfer portal that I think is worth touching on um, is the Colorado situation and Coach Prime walking through that door. Uh, it, it's kind of strange that Deion Sanders is coaching Colorado, but it's been funny to me to watch the the discourse about this on Twitter and college football media, how positive everyone is about it. I think part of it everybody? is Everybody? Oh, that, well, that, <laughs> that okay, is not, not everybody. But I mean, I, I 
I, I think for somebody who is like uh, unapologetically self-promoting, he has a higher Q score than average. Like most people who are as self-serving as he is, uh, kind of just get uh, taken down constantly. But I think people, one, a lot of people, myself included, respect that he put in real work at an HBCU FCS team. Didn't just use it as like, this is the only place that would hire me. Uh, I'm going to get out of here as quickly as possible, but like invested in the team and put in real effort and made them good, which is yeah. cool. Like it, he, he proved himself in a sense. And then like Colorado, I think most people kind of have happy feelings about them They're They have kind of a fun history. It's a, mm-hmm. we, we've talked about this before. Uh, I think actually Colin and I talked about it on the podcast that got eaten up. It's a cool school stadium history uh, tradition uniform combination is just like it'd be kind of fun to have them be good and having a team in a, a major metro area be uh, good in the Pac-12 as we're losing to LA schools would not be a bad thing either just add a little bit of glitz to a conference that's that's losing some of it yeah no definitely and I think I think like people people I feel like people have either been super hyped about Deion Sanders to Colorado or there have has been a decent amount of criticism also by people who I feel like are maybe misplacing that. Well, it depends what angle you're coming at it from, but, but um, I, I will say, I think it's has for me, I feel like I, I, I'm really excited to see what he does at Colorado. I also think it's somewhat bittersweet to see, to see, to see him, um, you know, uh, leave that school, um, even though he's been very open about it. Like he's, it's not like he, he was being like slimy in, in the, about using it as a stepping stone like he wasn't he like what you said he genuinely like put in so much effort to make it a you know establish that program and make it and and bring coverage to a group of schools that have unfairly been forgotten by a lot of uh, mainstream sports media ESPN especially when you look at the history of 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 uh you know what like many HBCUs have done for college football i mean like modern offenses in many ways come from grambling state and i think what is it the 70s uh early 80s or whatever like and and so yeah i i do i do hope my one thing that i do hope uh is that i do hope that the notoriety i suppose that he he kind of helped infuse and and bring more attention back to um hbcu programs uh of course it wasn't like just him or whatever but I, I do hope that ESPN and Fox and all the, you know, huge media programs that dictate who gets covered and who doesn't and in through extension, like who brings in talent because players want to go to schools that have, you know, that have certain level of, of, of attention and spotlight and coverage on them. Um, I, I do hope that they continue to put the resources into that. I'm, not you know it's not like i trust those institutions those media institutions to be particularly uh decent so who knows but i i do certainly hope that they continue um because i think some people were i actually ray raymond lucas who's another one of our former writers um in our slack he he put it really well that there was had been criticism of him by people who would put him up to be a savior for a problem that he wasn't a savior for and he wasn't didn't create. And I so I think I think I I, I will just be keeping an eye on 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 all those schools and, and their programs 
for the next few years to, to, to just, just in the hope that, you know, again, that media, media coverage continues to give them the attention that they deserve. But in the meanwhile, in the meanwhile, I am really excited to see him at Colorado. I was about to say Colorado state, not the same place, even remotely. Um, both terrible this year though. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to see him. I'm just excited to see him at Colorado because for every reason that you said for how, and for how kind of funky of a matchup match, uh, matchup as that seems, because he's such a, you always associate him with the Southeast with Florida state. So it'll, that'll be fun. Yeah. I, I think in that regard, if there is a downstream uh, criticism you can levy, it's probably that, for better or worse, this partnership probably lasts like three or four years. Yeah. But hopefully, yeah. the, you know, if it goes, if he turns them around and gets them into bowl eligibility in one, two, three years, there's probably going to be teams in the SEC or ACC um, calling for him, and and th- those are probably going to be better situations than Colorado for him as a coach. If he doesn't turn it around in three years and they're still, you know, winning zero, one or two games in the conference is probably not going to be long for that job either. So it's kind of hard to imagine that this is a long-term thing, but I think kind of like we were talking about with Sark earlier, it's a way to kind of reestablish the program uh, as not horrific. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) uh, Yeah. yeah, So I, I, I definitely think that's probably what we're looking at, you know, assuming he is successful there. um, uh, Like he's shown to be in the past is I think, yeah, you're probably looking at three, four years tops. And before he probably goes somewhere to the South and I don't like hold that against him even remotely because that's still a mutually beneficial situation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Everybody knows that his, you know, his heart and his background is in the, is in the South and especially Florida. So I, you know, I'm not, I, I, I think both him and Colorado uh, have a, have a chance to walk away from this partnership, both in a significantly better place uh, well, I guess Colorado would benefit more because he he probably could have held out a couple of years and gotten an even better gig immediately. But um, yeah, yeah, and he's uh bringing a coaching staff with him full of guys like uh Willie Taggart and Tim Brewster who could just slide right in and be long term really successful head coaches if he ever leaves. No, those guys are are proven to be. <laughs> I didn't. Uh, not I didn't solutions. realize that Taggart was with him. Was- I don't know if that's done, but I read that it would sounded likely. Mm. Uh, although the, the guy from Kent State, Lewis, Sean Lewis, I think his name is, who mm-hmm. UW just played this year, maybe a, a future coaching candidate. He seems very exciting. Uh, but let's let's end the football talk and move into our recommendations and plugs. Um, I will jump in, and then Gaby, if you have anything, uh, feel free to follow up as well. Uh, I, I I have talked probably talked about this before, but I'm a a Bob Dylan. Um, disciple or apostle or whatever, like it will promote anything uh, from his career. He has a new book out called The Philosophy of Modern Song. And it's very strange. It's like, it's it's 60 or 70 chapters, each of them about a song written sometime, released in the last 100 years or so. Um, and he just kind of rambles about the lyrics of the song or the message or the person who wrote it or the performers. And it's just kind of like a series of essays by Bob Dylan, which is fun to read, but it's, it's better because as... I kind of hoped and expected there's a Spotify playlist of all the songs that he writes about, which is kind of like a, you know, almost as if Bob Dylan made his own Spotify playlist, which is just very fascinating to listen to and and very cool. It's also extremely well-written. Like there are so many times when I just go back and reread a paragraph or a sentence because it's such an interesting way to use language. 
Uh, not surprising for somebody who's won a Nobel Prize in literature, but he also has written one book in his life before. So it kind of surprises me that his his on the page writing uh, is as impressive as it is. So uh, Philosophy of Modern Song by Bob Dylan, if you're like into music or Bob Dylan, uh, it's a fun thing to read. Uh, okay. Sorry. I, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, when you were doing that, I was looking at my other, um, my other, my calendar. Cause I forgot just like I do every week to think of what it is I'm, I'm plugging before. So I suppose I will do, uh, that on the 17th, I have a couple shows next week on the 17th. Um, so it's Saturday. Um, I'm hosting at hereafter um, at the Crocodile for uh, Renan Hirschberg. So I, I kind of like what I did last week, which is I was hosting for Mace Galoni, who's super funny. That was a great, well, the the latest show was full of a bunch of very weird people in the audience who were definitely stoned. So that was a fun way for many of us to eat shit. But the first, if you were, if you are listening to this and you were at the eight o'clock show, just know that we everybody on on that loves you very much. Um, but I said I said you should come for Mace, and then you'd happen to see me. Same thing um, on the seventeenth. Uh, I'm hosting for Renan Hirschberg. Casey McLean is opening for him. Um, Renan lives in New York, and he was a he's really funny um, and really cool. But he also was just featured in the New York Times for his uh comedy special that was actually out on youtube that the huh. i don't know who was writing about it but said it was their favorite comedy special of uh or youtube special not on like netflix or hbo or whatever um of the year and um having seen him and hung out with him a few times i that is very believable um and then on the 19th i'll be at odd otter brewing and in, in tacoma if you're in the south sound um Bo, I think Bo Johnson is headlining that. He's a Seattle guy. He's he's funny. Uh, he, yeah, I don't remember who else is on that show. There's a couple other people, but um, if you're, yeah, if you're in Seattle or Tacoma, those are two things. I don't have any like books or TV shows or anything um, because I can't read um, and I can't see because I'm legally blind, so I can't watch TV. I just stare at walls all day. Yeah, uh, not see anything on those walls. No. Yeah, the, the YouTube comedy thing is interesting. I, I listened to Anthony Jeselnik's podcast, and he mentioned that something offhandedly a few weeks ago about how the economics of YouTube channels are such that it's not like a slam dunk that you're better off selling your special to Netflix than just doing it through your YouTube subscribers and getting the ad revenue. So that that's interesting to hear people doing that. Yeah. I, I, I bet that becomes more common because it's kind of just like another way of removing the the middleman and the production and the marketing for from a third party. Well, I will say it doesn't remove, it doesn't remove the production or a lot of the, a lot of the other stuff. Like you're still, it's a huge, still a huge production. Like, right. I mean, it's yeah, just yeah. like, Production's yeah, I don't yeah. think you're saying yeah. this, but I think there's an idea that, people have um especially now that uh stuff's up on actually i think that that comedy in the pandemic or like a post-pandemic kind of it actually is a sim has a allegory kind of to the transfer portal where it's kind of a just because you can doesn't mean you should as far as like tiktok instagram like people constantly posting all this shit that i have a friend who like kind of became famous on tiktok and instagram because he would just post all of his you know he posts little 30 second clips and he I don't think I don't know. I think he stopped or at least slowed down significantly probably six months ago. And he posted this 
thing on Facebook about it. It was like, I can't keep doing this. It's exhausting. I'm dying. I'm going insane. Like, it's just the, that, I mean, it's already such an insane soul crushing grind. And then to have it, it turns into a thing that it's not, it turned TikTok and Instagram started out as like a thing, a tool that can help you and you can do. And now it's just another thing in that arms race that you have to do. Um, and, but yeah, it, uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah. YouTube shit. Yeah. It is really interesting though. Cause I, I, I don't, I'm not at Liberty to talk about another. Oh wait, actually I think on the 17th also is this filming for a special also in Tacoma for Jimmy Shin special, which I know I've mentioned before on here in the past, but, um, one of the, the women who's helping produce that show was, she was also on the show with me on Friday, last Friday. So we were chatting about it a bit. It's either on the 7th or on the 17th. It's in Tacoma. Uh, it's at the Laughing Out uh, comedy show. Um, so also, if you're in Tacoma on the 17th or the 7th, I can't remember which one it is, and I can't look it up in time. So if you're interested in that, you should look it up and do that. Although it might be sold out already. I don't know. Um, I don't really remember what we were talking about. Something about YouTube. Yeah, <laughs> but, but I uh, think yeah. you, uh, point... Point made, uh, point making, as an old friend of mine once said. Like uh, yeah. So uh, let's let's wrap it up there. Uh, it'll be a couple of weeks. We'll probably record something after the bowl game as we get into the off season, unless some other crazy personnel things happen in the interim. But thanks for joining us for now, and maybe we'll be able to do a bowl review with Cody Pickett himself. Seems like we're getting closer every week. Just in the ether, it seems like those things are becoming more likely uh, due to no effort of our own. But in the meantime, thank you for listening, and go dogs. Woof woof. <laughs>